This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer and this is the Farmer's Kitchen podcast. Talking all things food on today's show, we were broadcasting live from the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. What's happening on the food front there, of course, but also in conversation with tastemakers, filmmakers, chefs and getting the latest foodie news. So where is worth your hard-earned dirhams and what is going to be behind the doors of the brand new Royal Atlantis Plus? If you've ever wondered how to become a chocolatier and indeed how to taste chocolate, you're in the right place. We're meeting the chef now and in conversation with Chef Vanessa Bowman. She has got such a fascinating heritage who got her passion for cooking from two sides of the family in two parts of the world. She has been working as a chef for decades now for hotels, restaurants, resorts, um, even working with members of the royal family and some reality TV football stars too. So who has been the biggest impact on her life? We'll be finding out next. Vanessa, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? I'm very good, Helen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so interested to hear a little bit about your upbringing. Tell us about your heritage. What, what, what have we got going on in your bloodline? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I'm definitely a child of the world. My mother is Brazilian. My father's Italian. And then wow. my mother's sister married a Saudi. So I was in the States, then moved to Saudi Arabia when I was a child, then back and forth and just all over. And I'll have to say it's really impacted my palate I because bet, I've been exposed has. to yeah, so many different food in such a young age. So who was cooking then when you were growing up and, and what, was on your, oh. you know, what was on the family dinner table? Well, I'll have to tell you, my grandmothers were absolutely the cooks in the household. I love my mother to death, but she would, you know, <laughs> she burn water if she had to boil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, my nonna from my Italian side, uh, she, uh, nonna Dolly, she would do just, you know, throw us in the kitchen and make uh, sugo Sunday sauces and meatballs and just the traditional Sicilian uh, Italian type of uh, dishes. And then on the other side, on the Brazilian side, my uh, my grandmother, um, she my vovoa, she literally was like a health nut. So everything was salads and farm to table. It was amazing. You're so lucky. You're so lucky. My, my grandma would do a roast dinner and I thought that roast beef was supposed to be grey until I was in my early 20s. So oh, you, you were truly, truly blessed to have that. That must have had a huge impact, as you say, on your palate, but also a passion for food. When was it that you decided that you wanted to become a chef? Well, actually, it's, it's a funny story. I've always liked cooking and our, our grandparents used to throw us as kids. We were quite a few of us, and they would throw us in the kitchen to help prepare and kind of keep us from out from underfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, one of those things, when I was very young, I was uh, working at a mom-and-pop's pizzeria um, and just learning the basics, and just I enjoyed it. It really brought me joy to see people, you know, it's, it's, it's a love language at the end of the day. So um, I was technically supposed to be an attorney uh, as it, I was going to college. I was working at a law firm as a paralegal. And I just told my dad one day, you know what? I like cooking. I, I'm working on the side at a catering company on the weekends with my friends and I enjoy the events. So uh, don't want to be a lawyer anymore. And as you can imagine, that did not go over very well. Well, I mean, my goodness, it's all come good, though. You now got your own consulting and events firm. You've got CBC Consulting and you've been working with, as I said, with some huge, huge names in, in the world of food um, and also some big names in terms of guests and clientele as well. Is there anyone you've been starstruck by, Chef? 
I have to say this most recent one um, is uh, Jackie Chan, who is a little bit of an idol of mine since I was a kid. So I recently was doing the Red Sea Film Festival uh, in Jeddah um, in December, and uh, I had to make him a custom uh, menu because he has certain dietary requirements. So that was kind of like, yee! That's really, really cool. Though. What did what did you what did you want to eat? I want to know what's on his uh, menu. So, so um, the original menu that we had, uh, it, it contained uh, a, like a, um, a dance of land and sea, uh, with which was a local lamb and then a local fish. Uh, he did not; he doesn't eat lamb. So we had to uh, redesign the menu a little bit. So we served him um, a petite uh, tenderloin um, with a date jus, and he smashed it, which was super helpful. <laughs> Okay, I've smashed it in many a way, I would imagine, being Jackie Chan. Live on the line for Farmer's Kitchen, we're delighted to be chatting with Chef Vanessa Vema. She has got her own consulting and events firm, CBC Consulting and Events, after decades of experience working with renowned hotels, resorts, private yachts, residences, working with the great and the good of TV, reality, football and royalty too. I want to come back to your nonna. I'm I'm uh, so jealous. I'm so jealous of anyone that has an honor. Um, oh no! Me, don't um, be jealous. <laughs> oh really? It's, it's, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> but I want to know about the cooking because I understand she really imparted some golden rules, some some nuggets, if you will, that have informed your cooking um, all the way through to this day. Can you can you share that knowledge with us so we can have our own nonna? Oh, for sure. I, I think I think that it was, she would be happy to know that I'm pushing it forward. So, uh, Nona Dolly, she had five cardinal rules, and I think that these are also taught in professional kitchens, the Michelin star kitchens, and these can be implemented in your home. You don't have to be a trained chef to do these things. So, the number one thing, you know, that everybody has this misconception about is that when you're boiling pasta, add olive oil to the water. This is the worst thing you can do because basically uh, it does nothing. To to the pasta and then doesn't allow the sauce to stick. So your pasta, basically all that starchy goodness, it grabs onto all of the flavor from your actual sauce. And that's what makes the difference um, when you're cooking. If you go to a restaurant and their pasta is amazing, it's literally because as soon as it pulls it out of the pot, they put it in with the sauce and add a little bit of the actual starchy water and then heat it up. So the, the, the pasta literally ends up soaking up the rest of that sauce. And that's really what makes the difference on that. What about salting the water, chef? That's what I do. Is that okay? Yeah, salting the water. She said salt, salt it like the Red Sea. <laughs> be generous. You have to make it, yeah, be very, very generous because it soaks up all of that. The salt goes into the pasta and that really changes the dynamic of the way that it tastes. I want more wisdom of Nona Dolly. Tell us more. Okay. Um, another one she always says is to try to, whenever you're making stews or broths or gravies or anything of this type, don't go for the sock cubes. It's super easy to make your own broths. Um, keep the ends of carrots and celery and onions in a bag and then keep it in the freezer and just keep loading up the bag. Then when the bag's full, you get a pot of water boil all the ingredients for about 15-20 minutes and now you've made your own in-house stock from all of the the clippings that you would have thrown out otherwise so you get to really get all of the nutrients and all of the flavor out of that and not all the sodium that you don't need as well 
one is there one last piece of nonna wisdom that we can take through into our own cooking at home that you think yeah she got well, it right there. if i if i gotta say the one last one i know she's got a few the one last one is always cook more than you think you need and why is that <laughs> No, no, seriously, because one, leftovers are fantastic, okay? Always people, you know, it's one of those things. It's an Arab culture. It's an Italian culture. You want to make sure the person doesn't leave with an empty stomach. And people always appreciate food. It's a love language. So always cook more than you think you need. You can always store it for later if you don't finish it. But it also leaves that second extra yummy helping. I think so many things are better the day after as well. So many things. Exactly. Um, before I let you go, because I know Fridays are very busy in the world of chefs, um, I wanted to ask for your number one tip for someone like me who's not a very confident cook but does love having people over. Making our home-cooked meals look and definitely taste restaurant quality. What, what's, what's something that you know, us mere mortals can learn from your decades of experience, <laughs> Chef? The number one thing is quality of ingredients. You can have, you know, a very simple dish with high quality ingredients and it'll make the world of difference. And don't get caught up with these tweezer chefs where they're putting everything on with tweezers. Just have a nice color contrast, high quality ingredients, and it'll shine through on your dish. I love that. Where are you spending your money then? We think about quality of ingredients. Where do you think your money is best spent? Um, Meat? I will have to say the the main thing is produce and uh, meats for sure, mm. for sure. And then uh, last question: What are you up to this weekend? Are you are you cooking? Are you entertaining? Are you consulting? <laughs> what, what's going on for you? Uh, this evening we have a, we have a gig, and then um, over the weekend I am supposed to be going to Oman for consultancy. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a busy weekend, but I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, the uh, busy is the best. And for anyone that does want to work with you, learn from you, what's the best way of getting in touch, Vanessa? Um, so anybody can reach us either via the website at www.chefbema.com um, or they can reach us also on Instagram, which is chef underscore Bema, uh, B as in boy, A-Y-M as in Mary, A. Um, we all have a whole team on board um, and we're all here to help uh, in any aspect. Uh, even if you guys get bored and want to just shoot me questions, I love talking about food, so I'm happy to you answer anything. Let's do that one afternoon. Let's get you in the studio and we'll have a culinary clinic. People can send in some questions and concerns, the things that have been tripping us up, and you can be our expert of the hour. How does that sound? I would absolutely love that. That is my absolute dream. (laughs) All right, we'll get it in the diary. In the meantime, though, have a lovely weekend. Enjoy Oman, and we'll catch you on the other side. Chef Nessa there. If you do want her details, drop me a message on 4001. We love introducing you to the chefs and the taste makers, the people who can inform what we eat and how we eat here in Dubai. And I think our next guest completely encapsulates that. Luma Makaluf is a Dubai chef and entrepreneur. Her and her husband have been working together for years. You probably know them best for homegrown food brands like Maiz Tacos and also Good Burger. But they are expanding. They never rest, this pair. And she's joining us now to tell us exactly what they've been up to. Luma, how are you? 
Hi, Helen. I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Oh, it's a pleasure. We're, we're, we're having a sweet end to our week uh, this Foodie Friday, and I think that is the perfect theme for you because you're going into all things sweet as well. Now, this isn't a new thing. You've been baking for years. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on behind the scenes and how it's led up to this new opening. Yeah, um, I just wanted to really relaunch Lumet's Cakes, which came out of covid um, uh, something insanely random and unpredictable um, as another brand. We had just launched Good Burger as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had been making these San Sebastian cheesecakes at home for years, um, like very luxurious ingredients, very special burnt cheesecake. And as a joke, my husband said, try to sell these on Instagram. Just on my private like, Instagram. Don't challenge me. I will do it. And you did it. <laughs> did you? Yeah. And we got, we just got loads of orders and, since then, it's been two years. It hasn't stopped. I really wanted to kind of invest a bit of time in it to see if, you know, the brand can go somewhere since we, we just kept getting those orders. So that's where the rebrand came from with these new, very, very special cakes. And it's going to be called Luma's Cakes. Is that right? We're keeping it simple? Yeah, very, very it. simple. I got gifted a logo two and a half years ago from one of my designer friends. Um, so this new rebrand came as like something to be playful, colorful, um, just really fun and all about the cakes. Like we, we call it um, a soulful bakery because we wanted to make, I grew up in the States and we kind of just wanted to make cakes that like were filled with so much um, fresh ingredients like you would get in a supermarket, but still like moist and very soft and just, you know, your everyday cake. I want to hear more about the burnt, let, let's talk burnt cheesecake because it's had a bit of a moment um, over the last few years oh, yeah. and you, of course, um, very much part of that. For anyone that's never had one before, can you explain a little bit about how it's different? And yes, some of those ingredients that you are including. Yeah, so mine is based off of the, I think, original recipe from San Sebastian, from this restaurant that started called La Vina. And uh, I use mascarpone, I use uh, Philadelphia cream cheese, some very special uh, vanilla, and there's very, very little flour in this cake. So it's almost a flourless cake, mm-hmm. um, and it's cooked at a quite a high temperature. So that's where it gets, it doesn't actually burn, but the color turns sometimes very, very dark brown. Some of them, some people even bake it till it's black, and it just has this caramelized crust, um, and it's, it's very, very, very delicious oh, okay. so, so is, i mean it's obviously the star of the show is there are there any other cakes that are going to be an offer alongside that the, the there these cakes itself comes in minis um this one because people love to order it for gatherings and just serve them individually and this one also comes in lemon and triple chocolate oh but the new goodness. cakes are yeah yeah the new cakes are three tier but they're six inches so it's not about ordering ginormous cakes um it's just about sharing these cute adorable cakes but good enough for up to 10 people flavors like um we do our own dolce de leche we have a banafee banana peanut butter a chocolate passion fruit crunch we have a coconut strawberry shortcake um so a lot of exotic maybe quite different flavors but still very light they sound amazing Luma. how are you finding time to wear all of these chef's hats as i said you've obviously got tacos you're working with you know burgers how are you splitting your time right now how do you have do you have more hours in the day than Beyonce I, I need you to be honest I, with us I'm I'm currently also nine months pregnant oh and goodness, a pop-up for my <laughs> oh. thank you 
Um, I, and I'm currently at a pop-up where my yeast tacos at the 25-hour hotel. But to be honest, we're, we're still the only owner-operators of our brands. And honestly, I'm not going to sit here and complain and say, oh, my God, it's crazy. It's just the coolest job I could have ever dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've been doing it for six years now. So we have a solid team. We're 55 staff. And, you know, as long as my husband and I work together really well so <laughs> far, we can... <laughs> You know, we do our best. <laughs> I think I think um, that six years is is so incredible, especially in Dubai, where we are. You know, it's a transient transient city. You know, you've got to work really hard to keep diners' attention because a lot of people are like, yes, let's move on to the next new shiny thing and let's go and take a photo of that. And you know, it's totally. it, that, that seems to be the, the the nature of the beast. Why do you think you're managing to beat the odds? You've got that longevity and such a loyal following. I think remaining organic. I was just asked this actually for another interview the other day, and I really think it's, it sounds so silly and easy, but just staying true to your why, like why did you start doing six years ago or one year ago or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and reminding yourself of that every day, whether it means choosing those same level and quality of ingredients or training your staff the same exact way. Obviously, when you're the owner-operator like us, it's easier said than done because we make every decision. We know every single detail that's going on. Um, but honestly, I think it's not that hard. I think, I think building your community and being very involved in your business can, can really, you know, speak miles. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I've seen anyways. And I think that's so true, actually, so when I, when I come to think about it. It is the people who are on the ground often interacting with, with customers and getting a feel for, you know, what's resonating, what people enjoying, what people talking about that can help you build that community, but also, as, as you've experienced, kind of anticipate what might come next. I mean, for you next, it's having a baby. Have you had any bizarre cravings? I'm curious what, uh, what, what, what chefs might be, might be hungry for during pregnancy. <laughs> so weird i don't know how about you with your 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 pregnancies but for me i crave like salads and raw cucumber stop it stop it i can eat like 10 cucumbers in a sitting it's so weird i'm gonna honestly i'm gonna turn your microphone down because i was having pasta bake i was (laughs) i just wanted all the carbs and then i also wanted really tart things like lemon sorbet like that kind of real interesting my mum also craved that when she was pregnant with me so yeah it's it is so so individual but I was not no. cucumbers for me, hence gaining 24 <laughs> well, my kilos. My first pregnancy was just like yours, you know, just like yours. I wanted all the carbs, everything. But this one, no, I just want, I don't know, salads and cucumbers and Fresh oranges. It's really good. Yeah. Well, please, please, please enjoy some maternity leave, be in that baby bubble and then come back and feed us so, so well. We've had a number of messages going, these sound amazing. Um, so tell us a little oh. bit about how to order these incredible cakes that you've been working on, Luma. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. How, how can we eat them is really my, 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 my quick question. Yeah, how can we you, get our hands on them? You can, uh, of course, email us. Um, you can DM us at Lumas Cakes GXP. You can even call any of our Maiz Tacos branches because they are baked from both locations. Um, and we will definitely, they're for pre-order now, so we'll be able to fulfill the orders within 24 hours. Okay, keep me a lemon one. You sound... This, oh my goodness, so inspirational. I really, really appreciate it. And if you want details of that, drop me a little message on 4001 with the word cake and I will hook you up. Go and put your feet up as if you ever would, but go and enjoy yourself. Really appreciate your time this Friday afternoon and we'll catch up very soon indeed. Luma speaking to us. Luma's cakes, oh my goodness. Burnt San Sebastian cheesecake with lemon, dolce de leche and more. Don't know about you, but I know what I'm craving.
Magic Phil is in the house. He's in his greens for the green. How are you, sir? Oh, that's good. Farmer's kitchen. I was expecting to be in a kitchen. Oh, no. I always thought you broadcast from a kitchen. We have done, actually. In the past, we've done live cooking. and uh, But now we're here at the golf. As are you. You're looking after and entertaining kids all weekend. How's it been going so far? The sun is shining. It is. The sun is shining. Get the get the tan ready. It's getting and nice and burnt. Uh, it was nice. It's uh, it was a good show today. This one. It's um. It, the vibe is brilliant. I think on the, on the Friday, you know, a lot of people finish work a little bit early. The kids obviously finish at twelve, and it's going to be going on all the way through the weekend. Before we talk magic, I want to know how did how on earth did you become magic Phil? Because you were Phil Philip for a while before that. Yeah, the Philip. Philip. Yeah, that's the mum. Yeah, the mum. The mum now. The mm. Philip. Well, I came out, not like that, I came out in Dubai about 10 years ago and I just came for a holiday purely and overdid my welcome at the in-laws and Magic Phil was, yeah, it was it was Phil when I came out here, started doing a bit of creating of the character and the brand and mm-hmm. it just went from there and it went from boom to boom to boom to boom. And now you are, I would say, probably one of the busiest men in Dubai. You and Chris McCarty are always like, how do they find the time to do all of this? You're doing three brunches. You're obviously here over the weekend. You've had your incredible successful run of shows over Christmas. You've got books going on. You're a dad. How do you find the time, Phil? And I still make time to be here. I know. In Farmer's Not Kitchen. And making me feel special. You are special. But how do you find the time? I, especially now. And uh, COVID really helped me balance my time mm-hmm. between showbiz and especially becoming a father. Because I really wanted that co- uh, connection time. time with Baby Magic. And, mm-hmm. and it really worked. And now it, it's... Because Archie's only in nursery um, four days out of the five... I don't see him at the weekend because I'm always busy. So I have a daddy day where I make sure that's purely phones off. Everything's done and that's my day. And same with family time. And I just make it make it work. I just want to spend time with Archie. You also incorporate them into, into you know your life and the show. I've seen him on stage. So could, you, could you see him going into showbiz? Yeah, I'm ready to retire. <laughs> get, get on it, ne- Archie. Next, Come on. <laughs> the next generation. Um, and when it comes to putting together a show for something like this, we're here at the Abu Dhabi HSBC Golf Championship, of course. Um, how much silliness can we be expecting over the next, the next couple of days? Have you got any... I don't want to say give away your secrets, but what can we expect from the show? Just absolute... Chaos. Bonkers chaos, yeah. It is just beyond silly. I mean, I get told when I come to Abu Dhabi that I have to tone it down a bit. Abu Dhabi seems to be the the tone down the silliness but nah, one rule not you just don't tell me not to do oh, something goodness. it's like security mall security are my favorite people to really get on their nerves Poonam, can we get security into the farmer's kitchen studio please? Well, i feel it. like he's about to go rogue hey, security. security please <laughs> they tell me oh my chick phil make sure he just keeps the noise down that makes me louder <laughs> don't say this i'll say it you know just <laughs> no. tell me to not do something that you generally want me you're, to do and I won't do it. Yeah, I'm like a child. a giant child. I am. Exactly that. Um, we had a message here saying, "When? how old when you first started doing magic? Good question. Good question. Well, can you remember your first magic trick that you conquered and you were like, oh, I've got a taste for this. I'm, I'm baffling people. I do actually. And I was, oh, I was very little. I was about six and I had a, a magician come to my birthday party don't know who he was uh, don't know where he is now he was a little uh, yeah anyway um he came to my party did a magic trick made a coin disappear i was mesmerized and i remember not being amazed i was remembering more 
how the curiosity of it how i could make people feel like i was mm -hmm. feeling then and that's what i did it was magic sets from you know back in the day the paul daniels magic kit mm. oh. you know it's uh yes but what you've done so well i think is not just obviously have that sense of wonder with kids but there's so much fun for the grown-ups as well so Make sure you come down. Why, what are your show times over the weekend so people can make sure they're here at Yas Links? So tomorrow I am here at 10 o'clock. They didn't put me up for the night, but uh, hopefully next year if they book me, I'll be asking for oh, a hotel. Goodness, so I've got to drive down and drive, drive back up. And you, Are you, you driving back to Dubai? Yeah. What time is your show finish? Five. Oh, I'm not waiting that long. <laughs> um, so then I've now got to drive back. There goes my plans. The only reason I'm hung around. You can listen, you can listen to me on the way home. home. You can listen to the farmer's kitchen. Say not a word. I'm, uh, so 11 o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> he's ready to switch me off already. Turn like, the mic yeah. off. My Ele chin 11 o'clock tomorrow and then 2 o'clock on Sunday. Sunday. But I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm back and forth up here. Up and down. I need another magic fill. So that's why I'm trying to aim. The clone. I'm trying to get the, yeah, get the clone 2024, machine. 2024, get the clone machine. Yeah. Um, for anyone that does want to find out what you're up to with the brunches and your shows and everything, what's the best way of checking you out on social media? Because you've got find a lot me. of silliness there as yeah, well. you know, Facebook, Instagram, Tinder. I'm on all of the stuff. <laughs> you can find me on there. I'm not, I hope Mrs. Magic's oh not listening. God. Right, Rick, Rick. No, I should be. At least I said Tinder. And not, oh, stop yeah, it. Want, uh, Turn okay, down sorry. his microphone. Magic Phil is here. Helen's sweating. Oh, <laughs> good grief. Thanks. I'm off. Cat <laughs> Magic Phil is with us this yeah. afternoon and he will be here at Yaslinks all over the weekend, 11 o'clock tomorrow and then on Sunday afternoon. We love introducing you to the hottest new places, rediscovering old favourites and joining us now from Lulu and the Beanstalk, which has got to be one of the most unique names I've ever come across here in Dubai. We've got the co-founders and the chef. We've got Amira and Wafa and Chef Chris joining us too. I am so curious about this um, because there's a character called Mama Lulu who seems to be front and centre of this. And I wondered, Wafa, if you could tell us a little bit about, about you guys. Where did the idea come from? Hi, Helen. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Um, so the idea behind it was essentially conceptualised by my sister, Amira, and Lulu, Mama Lulu, is actually our grandma. So this whole, our restaurant and space is an ode to her. So it's in memory of her. And uh, she was a big part of our lives growing up. And her home was a sanctuary. And we wanted to replicate something in her, in her memory. And yeah, what, that's what um, And you've created this homegrown concept of a bar, a cafe, and a bookshop, which just sounds like bliss, to be honest. Um, Amira, tell us about where you were growing up and what kind of impact um, your grandmother had on your lives, but also on your your eating as well. Um, definitely eating, yes. Um, but we grew up in Nairobi, we're Kenyan, and Dubai's also been home for many years, and you know, lots of travels led us back here as adults. And um, a big part of giving back to the city was conceptualizing the space, and you know, traveling a lot. The pandemic happened; we couldn't travel. And we were like, where do we go when we just want to hang out and have a good meal, have a drink, have a coffee? And we didn't really have that space in the city. And that kind of, and the good, good food being like a core of, you know, what brings people together, a community, and just being, you know, very authentic to that story. And what our grandma, you know, gave to us growing up was that sense of community. You know, her home was the spot in the neighborhood where everybody would go any time of day and they'd get a meal, a bed, a drink, whatever they wanted. And they could stay as long as they liked. 
It sounds like creativity is very much front and centre as well. Um, you guys are filmmakers. Can you explain a little bit about how your creativity or imagination is translated to the decor um, and I guess the ambience of the space at Lulu and the Beanstalk? Because we're going to be talking about the food in a minute. So talk, tell us about what we can expect when we walk through the door. Well, a big part of it was, you know, the briefs to the designer. We worked with the studio out of Stockholm was, uh, you know, it was very important for me that people, when they walked in there, it felt like you're stepping into a different world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being filmmakers, our dream is to take a film set everywhere we go. <laughs> so we got a chance to build one, uh, you know, that stays on for a bit longer than a couple of days or months. And the setting was very much inspired by, you know, the stories that our grandma used to tell us. And she loved nature, so we spent a lot of time in her garden growing up in Kenya. And she, you know, she even had like an amazing, you know, fruit tree in her garden where there was an avocado or papaya tree. She always had something that she was tending to. And so the space is meant to feel very natural, very colorful, very curvy. It's all a celebration of womanhood as well. And coastal, because she was ancestrally, where we're from in Kenya is Lamo, and we're very much an island people, so that became the core of the aesthetic that we wanted to bring to this space, but also make it very high design. It is and really work with high design. It's really kind of fantastical looking and, you know, the textures. And I think it looks absolutely stunning. I mean, I've obviously only seen it on Instagram. I haven't had the chance to pop in yet. But I think it's, it's not just about the space, though. As, as you're saying, it's about that sense of community and feeling like you're coming home, I guess, in, in some sense. I think that's what a lot of venues really set out to achieve, that third space feel. You know, we have home, we have work, and then we have somewhere where we want to spend a lot of time. And we need to be fed there. So I would love to chat with Chris, if that's all right. Chef Chris Asal um, has had a bit, of a, a bit of a tough brief because, my goodness, you've got Mama Lulu's own recipe book to be offering you inspiration. Chris, how did you work with that? Well, I obviously had a lot of guidance from Wafal and Mira on working with that and a lot of descriptions of how the food tasted and how it looked and how they wanted our clientele to experience it, to be honest. And it's all about taking these recipes and then creating them as our own at Lulu's and making people happy. I mean, we like to describe our food as elevated comfort food. It's the same sort of ambience as people coming in, relaxing, eating, enjoying themselves but having an elevated experience, making it look as pretty as possible and as tasty as possible for our building and where we are. Okay, let's, let's get everybody hungry across the UAE. Um, tell me a little bit about some of your big hits on the menu. What are diners loving, Chris? To be honest, they love all of the menus. <laughs> you can't say that. No, 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 no. I want, uh, I want I descriptions of dishes, that. sir. I guess one of our big favorites is our carpaccio, where we use Mama Lulu's uh, garam masala recipe. We take a um, beef tenderloin, we rub it in the garam masala, we sear it, we roll it, we serve it with uh, pumpernickel crisps, um, our lime green mayo, a little bit of horseradish cream, which is my English touch to it. You know, trying to combine all the flavors that I learned growing up in the UK with everything that Waf and Amira want and have seen from um, Mama Lulu. I just want to give a bit of a shout out. If anyone wants to check out, as I said, the, the menu and what's happening there at Lulu and the Beanstalk, it's on Instagram at lulus.bean. So have a little nosy. But for people who want to find you in real life, what they call a social club for the new world, it's there in, uh, in DIFC.
Burns Night is just around the corner. So what will you be eating? We've already had messages from you talking about from Bob, who's making his own vegetarian and real haggis, explaining what's happening at QWERTY in the Media One Hotel. Sophie Chapman live on the line. Sophie, how are you? Hi, good, thank you. How are you? And I can tell by the accents. This is uh, <laughs> very, very Scottish. <laughs> very, very much up your culinary alley. Tell us a little bit about um, your experiences of Burns Night growing up. Was it a big part of your food and your family life? Yeah, so I'm actually a um, bit of a Dubai baby. I went to school all the way through here in Scotland and Dubai, and then I went back to Scotland for the end. So I never really did a t- traditional Burns Night in the sense until I really moved back um, later on in life. Um, but my mum is from Glasgow, so obviously she tried to do as many Scottish traditions as possible um, and teach me and my sister all about it. <laughs> now, this is your opportunity to pay that forward. For anyone who's not familiar with Burns Night, can you tell us a little bit about the history behind it? So um, it actually marks the anniversary of uh, Robert Burns, who was um, one of Scotland's most famous poets. Um, For anyone who likes poetry, then you should look him up. But for me, I can't really understand a lot of what he's saying, so I need the modern (laughs) translations. Um, Most people do actually use it as an anniversary mark um, and do the full Scottish poetry and all that kind of side. Um, And then you do also have the drink and food side, which is my my favourite side of it. (laughs) Let's talk food, because as I said, you're having your Burns night um, there at the Media One. What is on the menu, Sophie? So we're very lucky to um, also host um, Chef Paul Wedgwood from the Wedgwood Restaurant on the Royal Mile in Edinburgh. So he's actually coming across to do a traditional Burns Night supper on two nights. So on Burns Night itself, we've got all the classics such as haggis, neeps and tatties. Um, there's a bit of quirky fudge on the menu as well. Slow and then he's doing some traditional... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then he's doing some traditional venison on the second night as well so it's a proper Scottish menu. Let's go back to that first night now I grew up very close to Scotland and we we had Burns night um, an awful lot actually Um, so I'm familiar with the you know your your haggis your neeps and your tatties but I'm sure there's a huge amount of people in Dubai who are going what are you talking about let's start (laughs) with haggis traditionally what is in it and how are you doing an interpretation um, come the 25th? Yeah so um, it's actually a bit of a um, if you think about actually what haggis is, it probably puts you off it a little bit, but basically it's um, parts of the sheep that are unused. Um, so it's sort of like the lungs and the heart. They um, kind of grind it all together and make this lovely meat dish. Um, and then neeps and tatties is just your potatoes and carrots. There's lots of um, different ways you can cook it. So you can um, cook it in the stomach itself or you can cook it in lining. Um, Chef Paul's going to make it out of lamb. Um, and I'm, I've already seen the recipe for it and I'm so looking forward to it for Wednesday. What about the dessert? Did you say you're going to be serving some fudge there? Or what's happening on the sweet front? So um, we've got raspberry kranachan for your main dessert and then there's kluti, yeah, and then there's kluti fudge and shortbread as well and it'll all be homemade, um, which I'm also very much looking forward to because um, the not homemade kluti fudge is just um, not the same. <laughs> Now, for anyone who's not familiar with raspberry kranachan, can you tell us a little bit about what goes into that? Yeah, so it's just a, it's basically a traditional dessert. Um, lots of people make it in many different ways. Chef's going to make it with, with raspberry, which gives it a bit more of a um, fruity and sour vibe to it. Um, but there are many ways to make it. But for anyone at home that's listening, it's a very easy Scottish um, dessert to make that is one of those show-off. Um, dishes because it feels and tastes like you've put a lot of effort into it 
um, without that much effort behind it. So it's a good one. Will there be any dancing? We've had a message saying, will there be a Kaylee? You know it's a good question because you know, <laughs> no. just, what, is there going to be a dance element um, at QWERTY for Burns Night? Um, there can be if people want to dance and I'm sure we can make a space. <laughs> we've um, themed the music to dance, but we've got um, some traditional readings as well um, of the Burns poetry. Um, we've got some Scottish people making an appearance to do that. Then we've also got some tricks up our sleeves in terms of decorating the restaurant. Um, our in-house tailor has um, worked her magic on some um, tartan, so we'll see what happens with that. Watch this space. So whether you exactly. are you know, going back to the Burns nights of your youth or you want to discover a whole different side to Dubai, um, it sounds like a brilliant night. Sophie, for anyone that wants to come along to QWERTY, and I said you've got two nights there, what's the best way of getting in touch and, and getting your spot and your haggis? Just on my mobile, so um, my mobile is 056-843-6814. You can also look on our Instagram, which is QWERTYDXB underscore. Um, All of the information's on there, and I'm easily contactable on there as well. Well, happy Burns Night. Have an absolutely fantastic one. It's been a pleasure to catch up. There you go, your haggis, your neeps, and your tatties. You cannot miss him. He is the one doling out chocolate in a very special hat. We have got Lint's master chocolatier with us, Matthew Muller. Oh my goodness, you must be the most popular man at Yas Links. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, Helen. I am fantastic. I definitely am enjoying myself this year, Rabbi uh... The sun is shining. The chocolate's not melting. It's the perfect weather. It's the to... perfect it's weather this time of year. Bliss. Now, I've got so many questions for you. Of course, we're talking chocolate and tastes and regional preferences, but how on earth... Do you get the dream job, Master Choctier at Lint? Talk us through it. So my career actually spans over, I think, 15 years. I started as a pastry chef uh, under some great names. So Jamie Oliver was my mentor, Gordon Ramsay was my mentor. And there was one dream job that I always wanted, and that was to work with chocolate. And the most iconic brand ever growing up as a kid was definitely Lint. And when you ever saw a Lint Master Choctier, I thought, thing never existed <laughs> like a Willy Wonka character exactly and then one day I actually got approached by Lint and asked do you want to join the team and I was like wow I get to go behind the hallowed gates exactly learn the most sacred recipes see how they make the chocolate santas and the bunnies and of course the Lindor exactly. chocolate balls my goodness what alchemy is this but it's interesting that it was pastry that you were drawn to because it's, it's a completely different discipline in mm-hmm. so many ways. I mean, it really, it really is alchemy. It really, yeah. it really is the precision. And it, what, what was it about that that appealed to you? I just, I, as a kid, I love chocolate. Um, and I love sweet things, but chocolate was definitely the one. And then also seeing how, for example, we take chocolate and transform it into anything like a sculpture, like mm-hmm. a tablet, like praline. And it was just the fascination, I think, of my calculated brain that I just wanted to push the the boundaries a little mm-hmm. bit more. And then definitely when I've, I realized that I can make a Lindor, for example, it was like, wow. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, real talk. How much chocolate do you think you eat per day? <laughs> I think everybody asks this question. I'm curious. Uh, but realistically, I probably eat on a minimum day 100 grams. Uh, to not so, it's, so it's tasting rather than eating. I do taste, but because, like I said, I have a sweet tooth, there are many times that I go home and I eat <laughs> gobble of chocolate it's myself. Your, it's your job, Matthew. It's your job. So how should we taste chocolate? And listen, don't get me wrong. We're not always going to do this every time we eat chocolate. Sometimes, you know, you've had a, you've had a bad day. You just want to get the chocolate in your face. But if you are li- really eating to taste mm-hmm. and understand that flavor profile 
what should we be doing and, and how? In, in, and, and I mean everything from the temperature of the chocolate to what we should be doing before. And I think that especially can be applied to any food. I mean, Absolutely. you always use your five senses, so sight, smell, no, uh, taste, feeling, and then hearing. And you just take a tablet and, and go through it, see how it cracks, see how it smells, um, see how it feels on your fingertips. Uh, once it melts in your mouth, how is it melting? Um, I genuinely always eat chocolate at room temperature. I know in, in the Middle East and, and your ear, it's very hard. Room, room can be liquid. <laughs> exactly. Um, but again, try and eat your chocolate at least 20 minutes outside the fridge and then to get a much better taste. But mm. also, I think when we come to chocolate, for example, people tend to buy chocolate and then hoard chocolate um, where we want to deliver the freshest pro- product to you. So buy your chocolate, eat it as fast as possible. Okay, you don't need to tell me twice. Um, <laughs> and that will give you the most freshest, the most healthiest, and the most tastiest uh, feeling. Can I ask you, now, you have been growing up, traveling, training all over the world. What have you noticed when it comes to Middle Eastern preferences on sweetness and flavors and trends, I guess, in this part of the world? So, I'm well, we going to split it up. So, yeah. in terms of flavors, I think this market is definitely a milk chocolate market. We love the creaminess, especially Middle East. Um, but also what we see that is coming up now is ch- milk chocolate and nuts. So hazelnuts is probably also one of my favorites. Um, but of course, pistachio, almonds, that is definitely what the, the Middle East does love. But I think in terms of trends, we've, we've noticed that people are eating less um, chocolate, mm-hmm. but more premium. So more quality, more refined chocolate. And, and that's good for like a brand like Lindt because we are a premium brand. Um, but we've noticed that we've also grown. So um, I love the brand. And, and also peop- I, as a athlete myself, I eat, tend to eat less chocolate, but more quality chocolate. I, that sounds like a good philosophy to me. Now, in front of us, and in fact, scattered around me, are some lintel <laughs> ball wrappers. We're in a very good mood this afternoon. Tell us a little bit about what I think is one of the most iconic chocolates on the market. That that red ball, we you know, obviously just had the holiday season. I ate way too many there. What is it about <laughs> taste and texture that you think has really kind of got people obsessed with them? And I think that's what, what Lindt is really good at. They are a very innovative brand. So, for example, Lindt was an innovation. And up to today, we're still very unique. There's no chocolate like Lindt. You put it in your mouth, it's smooth and it's creamy and it just melts in your mouth. And there's no chocolate brand that can deliver that. Um, and we've, we've had this recipe for over 80 years. I mean, now we make over 31. 30, 31 flavors globally. Wow. Um, currently, right now, we, we're trying out the new flavors for next year, so please watch, watch this space. space. Um, I mean, the team here yeah, knows what that is, but uh, for, I've just had one and it was really good. <laughs> it's made me sign an NDA. <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely, Lindo is definitely, when you think of Lindo, Lindo is iconic, and, and then followed by like dark chocolate, like Excellence, or something that's trending now, which is Le Grand, which is our nuts. But mm-hmm. I mean, Christmas and, and Easter without Lindo is. I know, um, everyone needs a little bunny with a bell around its exactly. neck and then you bite its ears off and everyone has a great time. So what are you doing at the golf, Matthew? What, what, apart from obviously handing out some delicious treats to, you know, maybe a few golfers, but definitely a few <laughs> of the crowd as well. I understand you're making some here, is that right? Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, Lynn's really loves golf. I mean, I think this is one event that we really partner very well with. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone, everyone asks what I do for a living and sometimes I actually do make chocolate live. Um, so right now I'm actually making live Lindor, fresh, um, which tastes 
amazing so if you are free please come down come visit us and try some delicious fresh lint chocolate well thank you so so much meeting a real life Willy Wonka chocolate <laughs> expert um, it's been absolutely fascinating thank you so much thank Matthew Miller so speaking much, to us team. from Lint and uh, yeah you, you, you can leave your um, leave your creations here I'll take I'll take good care of them We're talking the latest food news now with Courtney Brandt, food writer, content creator and all-round expert on what is going on and what you should be eating. Courtney, I've, I've got so much to talk to you about. We haven't got long, so I want to go straight to the headlines. It's all anybody's talking about, the brand new Royal Atlantis. Here's the big question. Are you going? <laughs> So I, I literally just left like minutes ago and it is wow. And I got to meet a, a, honestly a hero, a food hero of mine, Chef Jose Andres at Haleo. Uh, it's a Spanish restaurant. He was there behind the fire making the paella. You were feeling that Spanish hospitality. So I'm already well impressed. Oh my goodness. I've seen a few little behind the scenes photos. We've had, you know, Beyonce doing her sound checks. It really is on the food front and hospitality front, the big, the big news right now. And for good reason, the, the volume of restaurants that are going to be there at that property is absolutely unprecedented and some massive names. I mean, my goodness, it's, it's we, no yes, reason. We were, it's, yeah, it's we were pointed out. What, what else are you looking forward to? Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, yeah, Heston Blumenthal, obviously he's coming online. I actually saw, I was coming in and uh, Bjorn Franson was walking out. Uh, so this is really going to be a food lover's paradise. They have rolled out the red carpet for some of the best international chefs. It's going to be a good one. Excited to catch up with all of that once they open their doors. Now, one thing that has been in the headlines recently, so I think is, is w well worth it, is talking about working conditions. And this is across all sorts of different industries, but kitchens in particular coming under fire. And we know that very kind of common trope of hot-headed chefs and, and long hours. But one restaurant here in Dubai is taking something of a stand against this. And I wonder if you could explain a little bit more about it, Courtney. Of course. So this is, of all places, LPM. And I am so proud. When I saw this news break, I thought, do you know what? More than anything, they are creating a place where there would be retention because hospitality is miserable for, you know, working conditions of 16 hours and all this. But they have introduced the four and a half day or four day work week and good form. I, I feel like other industries should fall out. And this obviously will hopefully help you attract the best staff, retain the best staff. So Lipitimo is on restaurant and bar lowering hours for service workers to improve that quality of life. And hopefully, as we say, kind of open up this to maybe groups of the population, different demographics that perhaps couldn't have worked in hospitality for exactly those very practical logistical reasons to do with those hours. Um, let's talk trends. We have seen some crazy craziness on TikTok over the last couple of years. Um, I mean, I, was, I enjoyed the feta pasta, I'm not going to lie. Butterboards um, were the big thing for the last couple of months, but we're seeing this even on a completely new level. What's going viral? Can we say, instead of a butter board, how about a butter candle? Uh, and that would be an interactive, candle. you know, let's say piece, yes, on your, you can make them. Apparently, I learned today that there are uh, food, like food, things that are okay, uh, food safe wicks. You can make your own, you could burn it and then impress your guests and pour it at the table. 
What? So this is a, a candle made out of butter that you Correct. then light the candle, the butter melts, and then what, you're there with your baguette? Yes, so you, you can pour right? it, you can this dip it. it, you are right. I had, when I was in the States last year, I had a similar one. It was olive oil, and, you know, they, you, they light it, and then you're eating, and they're like, ooh la la, and then they poured the olive oil right there on the dish. Are we going to see it in Dubai, do you think? Who's going to hop on this trend? So if, if you had, we to, already can't. had to name somewhere, <laughs> where, go on. I, I can I can right. because I've experienced it. It's uh, a Chef Claudio at, um, at SLS at Karna. They do a beef tallow candle because he's very into sustainability and using all pieces, uh, you know, of the meal. So if you, I think if you do the tasting menu, you will, spoiler alert, receive a beef tallow fat candle, which is edible, and it does get poured on a certain course. Do you know what? I can kind of see the appeal. I mean, I'm maybe not talking about fully liquid butter, but is, I was gonna say, is there anything worse than cold butter? There are many things worse than cold butter. But you know when you get really cold butter and it tears your bread and you get the clumps of it. But if you're getting something that's a little softer and easier to spread, a little sprinkle of, uh, sprinkle of salt on it, butter candles. I, I, you know, I'm open-minded. I'm, 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 willing, I'm willing to give it a try in the name of food journalism. Um, Courtney Bryant, where are you going to be going to this weekend? Or where have you been recently that you think deserves a bit of a shout-out and our hard-earned dirhams? I'll give you two. So I'm super excited to go to Nobu, which is at the original Atlantis. They have moved into the bridge suite on the 22nd floor. So imagine that one that's been in movies and, you know, everything we see. It's now in the suite, so I'm going to go there tomorrow. I will also give a shout-out for, of course, we love Hatem Nassar. He has a pop-up at DIFC. Uh, and one I think you and I tried, we love um, the LDC beach, uh, beach hamper or beach basket. The beach uh, picnic. So so fun oh, it was great so we picked up a hamper just from um as you say ldc you know L london dairy cafe as it was known and um, they've got a great little spot just on beach road actually very close to the mexican i went to the other night at lila's um really close to umsakeen park next to the beach where all the surfers go to you pick it up it's f i mean absolutely brimful of sandwiches and croissants and um, little nibbles tea coffee juice and things and then it's the perfect weather for a picnic it, it really, it is. really you is. To, um, yeah, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> and, you, and you get to keep the hamper as well. Um, Courtney Brandt, thank you so much for coming in. I think it's a really fun time to be a foodie. So much happening in Dubai. And we'll catch you very soon to see where you have been, where you rate. In the meantime, you have your mailer going out every single weekend. If people want to sign up to your edit of the headlines, your take on the latest openings, what's the best way of getting in touch? I would love for you to follow me, underscore Courtney Brand, underscore, and everything is in the bio there. Uh, I always appreciate it. Courtney Brand speaking to us about all things food. We're talking food with Santos Montes. He is the director of F&B for Yaslinks, the man responsible for putting together the fantastic food trucks and offering available to guests here um, for the Abu Dhabi HSP Championship, but also when he's looking after VIPs, players, caddies and more. What a great job. Can we start with the food trucks? We're here in the Championship Village, Santos. Um, and I, I think it's a really beautifully curated um, kind of selection you've put together. How do you decide who to work with and what makes it suitable for this event, really? So basically, we like to, to please everyone. So this year, this went through uh, different nationalities and different concepts of food. We went for the healthy cost, uh, concept. So we got acai. Some acai, yes. 
and as well some Asian noodles. Uh, as you see, we, we have as well some Mexica and brisket, burgers, sandwiches. Matter Farm, yeah. always fantastic. If you are one of those that you come early in the morning, of course, you will get your hot cup of coffee with a nice croissant in the morning. It is all happening. We have to say we've been very well fed over the last couple of days. We've had some brisket. We've had some nachos. I haven't had the Taiwan fruit tea yet. So I might get one for the, for the drive home. What about hospitality? Because this has really become the hub for a lot of the community, whether that is you know, media players, caddies, um, the kind of the fans and the volunteers as well. I want to talk about the players. And this is no disrespect to any golfers. Mo, don't look at me. I don't think of golfers as perhaps being as precise with their nutrients as perhaps other athletes, whether that is track. But you're looking at me as if I might be completely wrong. Yes, you are. Tell us. The, the European Tour has a complex a team uh, with the nutritional, with the doctor that always recommend to us uh, how to design and customize the menus for them. Okay, so, so what's it look like? So, I mean, a lot of grill items, proteins, fresh veg, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, yogurts in the morning, uh, they got the fruits, they got very, very healthy uh, meals during the day. Really? And in terms of the entertainment as well, we've got music going on into the evening tonight and tomorrow as well. Um, today is Foodie Friday. We spoke to earlier to Matthew Muller who, from, from Lind, and he's making the Lindor balls here, making chocolate on site. What's that like? That, that's lovely. I mean, people will, uh, will enjoy on the hospitality days around the village. We were giving maybe around... 100 kilos of chocolates today around no there. Yeah, way it's massive i have to say i'm probably responsible for yeah. at least a kilo of that chocolate yeah. being being disappeared and just let me share some numbers that we we're doing these days uh, we distribute more than 1500 meals a day due to the hospitality players caddies and staff uh, we order around 1200 kilos of banana really? for the weekend yes <laughs> they love bananas <laughs> they think they're bananas they and they go with bananas. Oh yeah. my goodness, really. And the other thing that's really caught my eye, and we were discussing sustainability at the tournament yesterday, was when we were, you know, this is where we should park, was bring a water bottle, because there's going to be no plastic water bottles on site. And there is a very worthy replacement. You've got a special wall over there with a the dispenser. What's that like yeah, to have? Yeah, you, you got water every uh, 100 meters. You got a, a dispenser of water. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great initiative from the European Tour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put you on the spot. It's going to be like picking a favorite child. If someone's coming down over the weekend, what do you feel like is the food not to miss? And it could be something in your hospitality or it could be indeed a food truck in front of us. I, I would recommend uh, Amarigo's uh, food trucks, which is the Mexican one. The lovely tacos, nachos and so on. That's what uh, we had for lunch yesterday and it was excellent. Very, very and good. And then in the hospitality, you got a huge buffet with a lot of kind of food. I mean from sushis, international salad, steaks, fish, and, and so on. So something for the golfers, something for the families. My goodness, loads happening here over the weekend. We were just talking to Magic Phil earlier. There's going to be performances into the evening, and you are going to be very well fed indeed. Job well done. So well done to you and all the team who are working so tirelessly to make sure that this feels like just the most relaxing event for everyone. Santos, thank you. So, thank you. So thank you so much. And I would like to thank my team. Absolutely. I've got a great team behind me, which is doing a great effort these days. Well said indeed. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8. 
You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.